Welcome back, Heming Brainiacs, for another podcast of excellence. Uh, Sunday night. So, naturally, I just ate way too much for dinner. Then had some snacks on the couch, watching uh, The Boys. Great show if you haven't seen it. Uh, and now I'm very keen to get to bed. So, I'm going to I'm going to cruise through these tonight. That's what I'm going to do. Cruise. Cruising speed. Shakespeare, they that have power to hurt and will do none. Swim says the fishy, by the way, has come through again with the explanations. Um, the speaker begins Sonnet 94 by praising the kind of beautiful, power person. Sorry, by praising the kind of beautiful, powerful person who practices extreme self-restraint. The speaker then switches gears, nothing that even lovely flowers can become infected. Noting, oh man, I need to stop and read a little bit more carefully. <clears throat> the speaker then switches gears, noting that even lovely flowers can become infected, and that rotting flowers are then worse than any weed. Smell worse, yeah, I like that line. Implication is that seemingly ideal person from the first half of the poem is like those flowers, they might appear perfect. Um, though they might appear perfectly self-controlled on the outside, they're susceptible to corruption and capable of rotten behaviour. How like a winter hath my absence been? Sonnet 97 is filled with natural images that are used to describe the importance of the youth's presence. The speaker describes for the young man what it was like when he isn't there. When the two are separated, the speaker says, it's like an infinite winter, even if the season is actually summer. Nothing beautiful seems to be so, nor do the birds sing cheerfully, as they usually do. In fact, when they do sing, it's melancholy and depressing. Only when the youth returns do things change. Standard. Okay, okay, next one. From you, have I been absent in the spring? Sonnet 98. Sees Shakespeare bemoaning the fact that he could not appreciate all the beauty of spring around him because he was absent from the young man. As a consequence, spring seemed like a winter to him. Yep, standard. My love is strengthened, though more weak in seeming. Sonnet 102 depicts the nature of the speaker's love for the fair youth and why he doesn't always express it. The speaker directs his words to the youth, attempting to explain why he sometimes holds his tongue. It's not because his love has grown any less, but because he doesn't want to dull it by singing about it all the time. He compares his song as a poet to the song of a nightingale. If there is too much singing or too much verse composition, the songs or the poems are going to lose their impact. To me, fair friend, you have never, you never can be old. Sonnet 104. Shakespeare addresses the facts of aging and the possibility that the fair youth is affected just as much as anyone else is. Fair youth throughout the text is complimented on his beauty. He seems not to have aged the whole time the speaker has known him. Over the last three years he has remained just as fresh and green as when they first met. But the speaker acknowledges towards the end he knows this can't be the case. All people age, and time moves so slowly that we just can't see it. Amen to that. I feel like I'm about a million years old. Um, Alright. Let's have five more sonnets, shall we? 
Billy Shakespeare or Billy Boy. So what were they? They they were um, sonnets uh, up to fifteen. Okay, so this will be the oh, this will be the last night of sonnet reading. Um, and then tomorrow, I guess it's the last night of Shakespeare, unless we count tomorrow when we discuss these last five poems. So, um, Sonnet 16. When in the chronicle of wasted time I see descriptions of the fairest weights, and beauty making beautiful old rhyme in prose of ladies dead and lovely knights, then in the blazon of sweet beauty's best, of hand, of foot, of lip, of eye, of brow, I see their antique pen would have expressed how such a beauty as you master now. So all their praises are but prophecies of this our time, all you prefiguring. And for they looked but with divining eyes, they had not skill enough your worth to sing. For we, which now behold these present days, have eyes to wonder, but lack tongues to praise. 17. O oh, never say that I was false of heart, though absence seemed my flame to qualify. As easy might I from myself depart, as from my soul which is thy breast doth lie. That is my home of love, if I have ranged, like him that travels I return again, just to the time, not with the time exchanged, so that myself bring water for my stain. Never believe, though in my nature reigned, all frailties that besiege all kinds of blood, that it could so preposterously be stained to leave for nothing all thy sum of good. For nothing this wide universe I call, save thou my rose, in it thou art my all. 18. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments love is not love, which alters when it when in when it alteration finds, or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever fixed remark. Sorry, it is an ever fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark, whose worth's unknown although his height be taken. Loves not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. If this be error, and upon me proved, I never writ, nor no man ever loved. 19. The expense of spirit in a waste of shame is lust in action until action lust is perjured murderous bloody full of blame savage extreme rude cruel not to trust enjoyed no sooner but despised straight past reason hunted and no sooner had past reason hated as a swallowed bait on purpose laid to make the taker mad mad in pursuit and in possession so had having and in quest to have extreme a bliss in proof and proved a very woe before a joy proposed behind a dream. All this the world well knows, yet none knows well, to shun the heaven that lend, leads men to this hell. Number 20. Poor soul, the centre of my sinful earth, 
my sinful earth these rebel powers array why dost thou pine within and suffer dearth painting thy outward walls so costly gay why so large cost having a short so short a lease dost thou upon thy fading mansion spend shall worms inheritors of this excess eat up thy charge is this thy body's end then soul live thou upon thy servants loss and let the pine to aggravate thy store by terms divine in selling hours of dross within be fed without be rich no more so shalt thou feed on death that feeds on men and death once dead there's no more dying then woohoo alrighty that's that one that's Shakespeare all done alright we'll talk about that tomorrow until then thanks for listening see ya